Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler here with you to talk about the season two finale of The Odd Couple. We made it. We made it to the end. Called Psychic Schmikic. Uh, before we get to it, we actually had some corrections. I have two corrections about something I said that came from Facebook, thanks to Vinny Sarzicki. When we were talking about the Rigoletto episode, um, I was commenting that uh, Felix started playing a song when Oscar asked Richard Fredericks to sing his favorite. And Garrett, you said, didn't Oscar say the name of the song? And I said, no, but Vinny pointed out he did. I went back and looked and he did. I think what happened was the name of that song from Carousel, which if I is, ever leave you, I thought was a sentence. I thought Oscar was saying something about if I ever leave you. <laughs> so I didn't pick up on the fact that that was a song. So that's, that was my bad. And then in the, in the hotly debate, in the hot debate we had about the grandpa episode, is it baby rum or baby or bay rub or bay rum? And bay rub sounds like it should be the right answer. And you, and you said that was in the, the captions. I think it did say bay rub in the yeah. caption. Now, I didn't actually go back and look at that, but. Uh, Vinny pointed out there was a product known as Bay Rum that was intended for the use that Grandpa was using it. So it's Bay Rum. I could have just Googled that. Well, at the time, I didn't know coming into the podcast there was a there was an issue. You were the one who said Bay Rum, and I didn't want to Google it while we were recording, so I never looked it up. And I just assumed rub, like it sounds right. You would rub Bay Rub on yourself. Yeah, it's I don't know why it's called Bay Rum. Although if you anyone interested can the Wikipedia article kind of tells its history that comes from the Caribbean and uh, plus rum sounds like something you obviously drink. Right. Well, I think there's some relation to rum based on how it came about. Anyway, we don't, we cannot let odd couple facts go incorrect on this podcast when we know about them. And I hear you have one too. Yes. Even I, Ted, even I, you make mistakes, make mistakes and, and commit heresies by getting certain things wrong. Actually, today I have I am grateful to a Mr. Hawkeye Shepherd, if that really Fake is name. his name. <laughs> but he is the moderate, one of the moderators of the Odd Couple. I love the Odd Couple. TV oh, that's show our that's Facebook our Facebook group. page that we post yep. of. So I don't want to accuse anyone of having a fake name. No, no, uh, Odd Couple page. And uh, he, uh, this is going back a while to the Sleepwalker episode, and I've been catching up with some of the 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 group posts on that on that site and uh he noticed that i said something about neil hefty i was talking about neil hefty a lot that episode because we were talking about the music how great the music was in that episode and and i was i was convinced that neil because the show credits neil hefty as the composer that i wondered whether he did more than just contribute the his movie score you know Uh, i didn't see any other composer credited even for incidental music and he says, though, that um, Hawkeye here says that uh, 
it's unlike it's more likely that there is a there is a music credited music supervisor that I missed named Kenyon Hopkins, who was himself an accomplished jazz composer. And so that makes sense that Neil Hefty, pretty big name in that industry, you know, would not be standing by the phone on call to do any incidental music uh, for the odd couple and uh, and licensed basically his music from the movie. And um, Hawkeye also pointed me to something I should have looked up before, but there is indeed a released soundtrack album of the movie and you can listen to the different cues from the movie that were, that made it into the TV show. There's uh, he says there's uh, three, at least three cues, including the main theme that get recycled a lot on the series. So anyone can go back to that album and compare the album. That unfortunately is a mix of it's a double album of the odd couple and barefoot in the park. And I think it's, it's actually, the the album is called the Barefoot in the Parks soundtrack. I don't know why people would want look for that and not the Odd Couple, which is a more famous uh, score. But anyway, uh, so th- always interested to learn more about Neil Hefty. Well, this proves that if anyone uh, corrects us, we will point it out on the podcast because we do if it is like... correct. Yeah, if yeah, if they correct us correctly, yes. Uh, and I'm glad you're suggesting that people go buy some vinyl albums and get out their Victrolas and listen to. Uh, well, personally, I, I listen to it on uh, I listen to it on uh, YouTube Music, but you know. Oh, okay, so uh, do you want to? Let's give us a little info on the writer. Okay, yes, Psychic Schmeichik. Um, Psychic Schmeichik, as you said, is the season finale. Now, Ted, I note that the date is March third, nineteen seventy-two. Isn't that early for a season finale? So, uh, based on our um, standards of television, first of all, there's only 23 episodes in the season, which actually is kind of light for- Yeah, is uh, that short? That's short for back then. So, uh, I, I do not know why it was a shorter season, or I guess not necessarily short for the Odd Couple, but short for TV back then, a, a bit short. Um, and, you know, I think the idea of season finales and May sweeps and all that started more in the- 70s, 80, later yeah. 70s, 80s. So, um, also, you know, Odd Couple never rated that well. So it's right. possible they had other stuff going on. Well, the story that they all, all the Gary Marshall and Randall and Klugman always told was that every they never knew whether they were going to be renewed. Yeah. Uh, and the network was always threatening to cancel them. So maybe they didn't. <laughs> this is where they cut them off. Maybe for this. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I just don't think it was. Yeah, I, I don't think it was that controversial back then to have a middle no. show end in March. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, anyway, uh, the writing credit goes to a, a writer we are familiar with already, Ron Friedman, a very frequent writer in the first three seasons. And we uh, have also seen um, his uh, Felix's wife's boyfriend. And he wrote the Rigoletto episode. So uh, one of not, our one of our what, likes and one of our dislikes. Not, yeah, I, not one of our. That's not a great collection of season two episodes. Oh, to have well, credits. I'll be fair to him. Um, I'm being fair. Yes, <laughs> but interestingly, he has a, a long uh, history of credits. Very prolific. Apparently, still living, according to IMDb. Oh, I hope he's not listening. <laughs> As I said, I like Felix's wife's boyfriend. I do too. I like that. Episode. Okay. We talked about that was like uh, the first episode, second episode yeah. I think we covered. But, you know, it's interesting. He wrote on tons of sitcoms throughout the seventies. And then in the eighties and nineties, he started writing for the fall guy, 
a show I bet you are a fan of. I actually not. I hated oh. the green screen of that show. It was so <laughs> annoying. I mean, Heather Thomas, everyone had a crush on our right. age as a kid. But but wasn't that Lee Majors? The Fargo? Yes. Yeah. Right. Lee Majors, Douglas Barr, Marky Post. Right. And then he, in the 90s, he did a lot of animated uh, Marvel or DC comic, whatever, superhero, including Fantastic Four That's and Marvel. Iron Man. That's Marvel. Marvel. Okay. So uh, perhaps the kind of sci-fi uh, uh, in, in, intimations of this episode have something to do with his interest. Wow, that is a stretchy comment. But well, I'm I can't prove it. you wrong. Right. Okay. So uh, we open the episode with Oscar sitting on his desk on the phone asking for the Boston area code at the same now, who time. Who doesn't know 617? Well, I don't think I would have known that. I don't think I oh. knew Boston. Well, I, I lived there once, so. I oh well, then that that's a silly question. But it's asking. kind of I don't know for people in New York, it's kind of. Right, I don't I don't know a lot. All right, I'm yeah. proven wrong. Um, at the same time, he's trying to cut a lemon with a knife, but he realizes it's a plastic lemon, and then just squeezes the lemon juice into his drink, which is not that funny a sight gag, but that's the gag. And is that a what's that pro like? That's a thing that. Was oh yeah, I have. You can buy it now. Was, Actually, uh, I have one in my refrigerator. This you can buy lemon juice. You know, yes, that comes in the shape of a lemon. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. Um, he then says to the operator, "Have you got the area code yet?" And I guess she he says Boston is unlisted. So he he hears that's what he hears the operator saying that Boston is unlisted, but then he realizes that what he heard was it's on a different list. Again. Not that great a gag. So Felix walks in in a very yellow trench coat, looking a little like yes, Curious very. George, whatever yeah, that character is, right. Curious George. Uh, and he's quite run down looking. And Oscar then gets the area code and asks for the phone number 617-226-5243, which is interesting because it's not a 555 number. And I did Google that number to see what it is today, mm -hmm. and I couldn't find that it is something. Now, Ted, so 555 really is a thing. Yeah, oh, yes, it, it's a it's a that trope. is like a it's a trope. In a, it's that, but is that, that like is that legal standards and practices, or is just been a easy way to I, play it safe I, with phone numbers? I, uh, my guess is that there's a combination of I don't know about legal. That yes, the idea is you don't put a real phone number in the show, and five 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 was a cleared number that no one no one had an exchange five five five. And that goes back, I think, to the sixties or maybe earlier, maybe not earlier, because at some point telephone numbers you know maybe it's judy cullen's number it it is oh it could be although don't didn't we hear yeah butterfield nine yeah, something yeah <laughs> so before oscar says the three at the end of that number oscar felix starts to groan and he goes oh and a it tells us he's not feeling well but the, there's another gag that comes where the operator hears felix say the the sound O. Oh. so first the operator thinks that oscar's giving him a phone number that ends at zero which he has to correct. And then, by the way, so how does, so Oscar's getting the 617 area code, but he knows the phone number. So the only thing that can mean is he knew this person's phone number and knew the guy lived in Boston, but didn't know the area code, which I guess is possible, but is a little weird. You know, I know a lot's changed in the way we make long distance phone yes, calls I'm in about the years, get, but yeah. even in 1972, I don't, how many people were, had to call the operator to make a a, a state to state call. Well, <laughs> an right. out of state I mean, call. if you don't know the number of the thing you're calling, I get it, I guess. But he knew the 
phone right. number, just not the area code. Right. I anyway. mean, just I just when I see someone making a call through an operator, please. Well, you know, that, so I, it gets weirder. I think it's much older than this. <laughs> right, and it gets weirder from there because he says, um, "If he's not there at that phone number, call the Boston Gazette." I I don't think operators just make phone calls for you willy nilly <laughs> like that. He's a sports writer. His name is Tony Riley, um, and while he's saying Tony Riley, Felix says "O" oh, again. So the Operator thinks he's saying Tony O'Reilly, and Oscar again has to correct him. And he says to Felix, "Moan someplace else. You're getting all mixed up here." But what he really should have said was, "You're getting us mixed up here, not all mixed up here." Oscar asks Felix, "What's the matter? Are you sick?" Felix says he feels disoriented. Oscar says, "There's a lot of that going around," which gets a big laugh. Now, was that yeah. a Watergate joke? Like, what? Oh, well, maybe that? I took it as kind of like this kind of zeitgeist seventies. Uh, uh, alienation kind of well, it's like reference. i can consider that joke today then yeah sure all right all right anyway so the tony that oscar's calling gets on the line and oscar says i'm calling for two reasons i want to know if you're coming to the awards dinner and i want to congratulate you because i know you're going to be the sports writer of the year award and i guess tony asks why because oscar says why because i know that's all and then hangs up now, I think that's a cruel thing to do because <laughs> it's almost telling Tony, like, I know something that you don't know and you've won. Congratulations. Or is it I have a good feeling you're going to win? Congratulations. Yeah. And, then he and also up. that he seems to be giving him a compliment. He's, he's praising him. Right. And then hangs up on him. Right. So it's a, it's weird. Uh, so Felix says, asked, what are you congratulating him for? You're going to win a Sports Writer of the Year award. Now, Oscar's immediate reaction to this is weird. Again, there's a lot of weirdness in this episode. He softly just says, yeah, yeah. And then Felix groans again and says, I wonder if I have a low-grade fever as he heads to his bedroom. And Oscar says, you've got a high-grade delusion. The only award I ever won was a letter in college, S for slob. Now, this is the second reference we've heard yeah. to college letters. Back in the Fat Farm episode, mm -hmm. Felix was talking to his college episode. So now they each have a letter. I think Oscar's is... Although Felix's was also for something weird, too. Yeah. Felix says, you're going to win. Mark my words. And Oscar says, thank you. Criswell predicts. So I have seen this. Ep well, actually, I've not seen this episode a lot because I'll just lay it out now. I don't like this episode, but I didn't know who Criswell predicts was. So Criswell predicts. Criswell was a guy named Jerome, J-E-R-O-N, Criswell King, who also went by the name Charles Criswell King who also went by the name Amazing Criswell, who was a syndicated columnist who made psychic predictions in like the 50s and 60s and 70s. He was an author and he was on TV a lot. He was kind of like Kreskin in a way, right. but in a more, That's what it sounds like. in a little more, I don't know, pretend to be serious way and a little more flamboyant than Kreskin. Kreskin, assuming everyone knows Amazing Kreskin was a little more, self-aware this guy is like you're not sure if he's trying to do a shtick or he thinks he's serious his most famous prediction apparently was that on the jack parr show in march of 1963 he said jfk would not run again because of something that will happen to him in november of 1963 no way he That's, really said that uh i looked to find that and i couldn't find it but wow. the, multiple sources i read indicated that that's what he said 
Well, that's... But he also made the following claims. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he said that in, in the future cities, there would be certain cities for homosexuals. Mm. Well, that by 1999, there, there would be 200 U.S. and Russian space stations in space. Denver would be destroyed. Castro would be assassinated. And on March 10th, 1990, there would be an interplanetary convention of citizens from Mars, <laughs> Venus, Neptune, and the moon. Uh, there, I watched a clip of him on The Tonight Show from 1965. It's like New Year's Eve of 65, and he's making predictions for, tongue in, for 66. And he seems very tongue-in-cheeky. Um, he also was in Ed Wood films in the in Ed Wood Ed Wood's kind of heyday in the late fifties early sixties. Um, I think he's in um, uh, he like plays himself or he plays a narrator and uh, so he's kind of a joke but was well known at the time and he died in seventy in eighty two at the age of seventy five. So the phone rings after Felix says that about Oscar winning. Uh, Felix says Oscar should answer it. He will see that he won. Oscar answers the phone and just says, what? And thank you. That's all he says. And hangs up. <laughs> he hangs up again. And you can see he is very surprised at what he heard. And now Felix comes out from the, his bedroom, buttoning up a brown cardigan sweater with a thermometer in his mouth. By the way, remember last episode, we we're talking about the fact that he can't shake a thermometer, yeah. but he, he doesn't shake it here. Mm. Um, Oscar tells Felix said it was the award committee on the phone and they voted him sports writer of the year. Um, and Felix has the thermometer in his mouth. So he's saying, mm, mm. and Oscar removes the thermometer from his mouth and says, I don't want to hear, mm, how did you know? And Felix looks at the thermometer and says, just as I thought, 99. Then he leaves the living room and tells Oscar to wash off the thermometer alcohol. So Oscar puts it in his drink that he was had in the opening credits and says, how did he know? And we go to the opening credits. So now we have a new scene and uh, it's in the living room and Felix is spraying room spray around and we get this first clip. It's four minutes, just giving everyone the heads up. How's you doing now, buddy? Oh, a little better, thanks. Yeah. Like living with a crop duster. <laughs> You know, a bull weevil doesn't stand a chance in this apartment. Neither does a germ. Good. You know, I can't get over that way you knew about the awards. I mean, you have to be psychic. It's the only explanation. Not psychic, sensible. Anybody would know that you were long overdue for that award. Say, say, Gesundheit. Because I'm going to sneeze. Oh. Oh, I'm feeling funny again. I just... Hello. Oh. All right, Jean. Oh. Thanks a lot. Tell him it's not enough. You want a bigger bonus. It's not enough. I want a bigger bonus. Oh. Talk to you later. Oh. How did you oh. know, Felix, that my boss was going to offer me a bonus? This makes sense. You've won an important award. You deserve a bonus. Yeah, because oh. it's logical. You know about the award? You know about the award? Answer the door. You know Murray gets jittery out in that dark hall. Jitter. It's the only exercise he gets. Oh, I feel so... Right, Oscar, oh. congratulations. How did you know? I got it from an informer. <laughs> I feel like... Wait a minute. How did you know Murray was at that door? I heard his footsteps out in the hall. You know he could be a detective? If you could be a cop, he could be a detective. <laughs> You're a witch, Felix. Felix, you're just like my Aunt Goldie from Teaneck. Is she a witch, too? No, she was a manicurist. <laughs> but she had ESP. 
That's it. You hear that? You hear that? That's what you've got. You know that, buddy? you got ESP. ESP? Yeah. Which rubbish. It's simple, deductive reasoning. Excuse me while I get the champagne glasses. You know, Aunt Goldie would need hot flashes every time she had a fever. You hear that? Did you hear that? You have had a fever. You've had hot flashes. <laughs> what did your Aunt Goldie predict? Well, she predicted someday there'd be men on the moon. Come on, break out the champagne. It's time for a toast. <laughs> okay, Felix. I hope I've chosen wisely. It's very hard to get good champagne for under three dollars. Chateau Warsaw. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, 72 is a good year. It's domestic. I know it's domestic. It didn't have time to be imported. Wait, how did you know that Maria brought champagne? It's so simple. A, Murray is a romantic and would bring champagne. And B, the bullhorn was a dead giveaway. The bullhorn was a dead giveaway? Yeah, that's right. How would it look for a policeman to be walking down the street carrying a bottle of champagne in his hand? You look like he took a bribe from Lawrence Welk. <laughs> Stop looking at me as though I'm in league with Satan. Come on, it's time for a toast. To Oscar Mattis. Yes. Sports writer of the year. Okay, Oscar. I guess you're not supernatural. I mean, what good's a reward if you can't share with your friends? Uh, Cheers. Don't drink too fast, you'll get hiccups. I haven't had hiccups in 20 years. <laughs> Felix, you were right. That's right. I've never seen you have hiccups before. In 20 years. I never, and you predicted it, predicted it. That's just like my Aunt Goldie was. Oh, oh, I, oh, oh. What is it? There's a strangeness in my body. I just, oh, there are forces. They're all around me. And they're, they're inside me, Oscar. I, I have spiritual power. I can feel it. Oscar, I'm Rosemary's baby. The end of that clip is funny, but um, first of all, you notice that the guy's name on the phone theater is Gene. So Oscar says, hi, Gene. Did you notice that? Yes, I yeah. did. Okay. Um, uh, the notion that Oscar thinks Felix is ESP is so ridiculous. I, I At this time, ESP was kind of like a pop culture thing. You had Yuri Geller kind yeah, of totally. in the era. Kreskin, right. we said, Amazing Randy, Rosemary's Baby. Uh, so obviously the kind of pop cultureness of supernatural powers, it's just so stupid, I think. And to combine that with Rosemary's Baby, which is a totally different, yeah, uh, you know, it's like paranormal. Of course, the book from the... Like mid 60s the movie yeah. was 68 yeah, so this is all kind of current but that's all about satanists and uh uh so it's it, there's no reason i like I, I kind of like but it's ridiculous how just because he's psychic therefore he has to be satanic like those things are not necessarily supposed to be joined and but i'm rosemary's baby is a funny line it's very you know yeah and, and, that, and, so. and, and the noises he makes are funny but yes just the yes. whole but I, yeah, this is one of those uh, another like '70s fad and trend episodes. We had the diets, we had the natural childbirth, and you're right. This is this is the age of ESP. So we're in a new scene, and Felix is cooking in the kitchen, 
And now everything's flip-flopped now. Oscar, uh, Felix is now embracing ESP that he has it when he was right. almost denying it before. Now Oscar thinks he's nuts. And Oscar's the one who told him he has. Exactly, I know. So, the, <laughs> so what we're about to go through is like, it's just all flip-flopped. So Oscar, Felix says, Oscar with his new power, the psychic power, the mind boggles at what I can do with it. Oscar says, the fever broke two days ago, and for two days, you've bungled every boggle. Felix says, so let's eat. So, and he looks away from the kitchen, and he says, I, I predict Oscar sitting down, and Oscar turns around, uh, Felix turns around, and Oscar sat down, and points at him as if he nailed some great prediction, but they're about to eat dinner. Oscar says, what kind of prediction is that? Then Felix says, I predict Oscar will open his beer, which Oscar was about to do. Then he says, and now my psychic power brings you what you want for dinner. So Felix brings over a big yellow skillet to the dining room table. Oscar says, oh, come on, you've been wrong for two days. And Felix says, all right, what do you want for dinner? Oscar says, turkey. While he does this, did you notice this? Jack Klugman takes his napkin, which of course Oscar never uses, and he wipes off his face with it. No, two, I did not notice Two that. sections. And that made me think that Jack Klugman was like sweating because of the lights or something. <laughs> or it, was a weird, it was like a Jack Klugman need for the napkin. I don't yeah. think it was an Oscar Madison. Felix says, stop kidding around. Oscar says, I'm not kidding. I want turkey. Oscar lifts up the skillet and finds Swiss steak, proving that Felix is not psychic. Again, so now we're completely flip-flop from the last scene. Felix says, I made a little mistake, but they are both meat. Now what else do you want? I bet you want vegetables. Oscar says, I always have vegetables. And Felix shouts, aha, to which Oscar says, what aha? Felix says, what kind of vegetables do you want? Oscar says, spinach. So Felix picks up the cover of the bowl with the vegetables in it and announces peas. Oscar says, peas or spinach? Popeye's going to get upset. Felix says, ah, but they're both green. That's all I saw. Green, you see? Oscar starts to eat, but Felix says, wait, ah, ah, ah. Oscar is drinking his beer. Uh, uh, he says, Oscar drinking his beer is what he predicts. And while Felix is, uh, Oscar picks up the glass and says, you're wrong again. I was drinking water. Felix says, no, no, no. All I saw was liquid. I didn't see the head on it, but I saw liquid. Oscar says, you know why you saw liquid? Because your brain is leaky. And Felix says, I don't care what you say. I'm a psychic. That scene is just so dumb. <laughs> I just, it's like, it strains the entire episode. Yeah. There's no reason for any by those characters to say that. Uh, and and everyone was just saying the opposite. I mean, I guess is the implication that between the last scene and this one, yes. Felix is just suddenly, be, once he believes he's a psychic, he becomes so annoying that yes. Oscar regrets ever. And that, which know, would have been a good line to say, like, I regret ever saying that. If two days have really passed, it's. Yeah. It is conceivable they've switched sides. It's just to the viewer, it's very abrupt. Oscar says, you are not a psychic. You're a psychic, and okay. I've had it. Now, Felix, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to make a prediction. I predict this meal is over. And then he sprays all of the food on the table yeah. with room spray, which feels which, really which makes hard. it, Which is, makes it poisonous and right. inedible. <laughs> that was completely unnecessary. I mean, most of the yes. time when Felix yeah. does that stuff, it's uh, Felix is really annoying him, and I get it. But... Best because Felix is saying he's psychic. There's no reason to ruin a good dinner. Just for being annoyed, yeah. Right. It, it, it was... And for Felix believing the thing that Oscar told him in the first place. Right. Um, Oscar, uh, and then Felix says, I predict this will break my heart. And now the next scene... I Can I just, just say that yeah. scene 
I believe was cut in syndication because I I remember clearly the pre the I'm Rosemary's Baby joke leading to the next scene you're about to talk about, uh, and that's a good decision. This the episode would be better without this scene. I mean, maybe marginally better, but you mean that this, scene? The scene this, you just this, the dinner scene is unnecessary. Yeah. Well, the next scene, I'm just embarrassed for Tony Randall, and I I think that's one of the. I, it's the only time I can think of right now, except maybe the frog episode where I'm embarrassed for the actors. Grandpa, you said grandpa, you. No, was I embarrassed? I don't think I was embarrassed. Well, I don't know. You seem not to like when Tony Randall takes on these ridiculous uh, the, physical. The grand, I don't like, I didn't like the grandpa one because I just don't like that, that, tr- that gimmick that has been used before where people play their older relatives. Although I like the, I like the odd fathers episode. I do like that one. No, I wasn't embarrassed for him playing his grandfather because we said he did a good yeah, job. Yeah, he did. I think right. It was good. Now, this next scene is embarrassing. Felix is sitting in the dark in his pajamas, on the sitting on the coffee table, which Felix would not do, in a yoga position and screaming Oscar. Oscar comes out and asks, what's the matter? Felix says, I've been sitting here in the yoga position and I've had a terrible vision. You're going to die. Oscar says, for that, you woke me up. You couldn't let me die in my sleep. How am I going to die? Felix says, I don't know. The vision is foggy. Oscar says, all right, I'll cancel the trip to London I wasn't going to take. That, that's a funny line. Felix says, Oscar, believe me, believe me. Oscar says, why should I believe a pretzel, which is referring to the yoga position? You were wrong about the peas and the spinach and the Swiss steak and everything. I've had it. I've really had it. Tomorrow, I'm going to put you in a wheelbarrow. I'm going to take you to a doctor. Felix says, I predicted you said that. Now... Um- can yes. I just say now yoga is in the mix too? Like, yes. it's kind of like all these satirical targets. We have the ESP, the Satanists, and now yoga. And they all just keep getting thrown together in this episode, which again is ridiculous, but I think is also kind of funny. Uh, I, I don't mind what Felix is doing. I'm not as annoyed as you are by what Felix's act here. Uh, it is funny seeing him do this, all these ohm. He's doing all these ohm meditation things, you know, makes makes funny noises. It's funny. All right. <laughs> you think it's to funny. each his own. I don't think it's funny. New scene. We see a large building that I guess we're supposed to presume is a hospital. I, I don't even know that that's New York City. It's a it's a very large building. Very with generic, nothing. Yeah. It's also there's no buildings around it, which is unusual yeah. to find in New York. Uh, so a blonde woman an attractive blonde woman in a lab coat like ushers Felix and Oscar into a room with a lot of large computers. Now that woman is played by Dee Gardner. This is her first, fourth odd couple episode. She is in the Rigoletto episode. She's uh-huh. one of the two blondes that Felix is taking Didn't pictures of when Richard Fredericks comes in. Now she has no lines in either of these episodes. No, she has lines in this episode. I forgot. Well, yeah. you see, I just watched it the other day. Yes. I said, well, okay. Not uh, many lines. She also had li- not many lines. She also had lines in the regular episode, but not as much. Uh, Felix picks up a helmet as he walks in the room that looks like it's from a 1950 science fiction movie, and Oscar says, "What did he do? Play football on the moon?" Now the problem with that line is he says, "What did he do?" Yeah. So I, it's the doctor that we're going to meet, but we haven't met him yet. <laughs> this is Oscar's doctor. Oscar picked this doctor. Yeah, for somehow. So now he's mocking the person he picked. Like he's there for, he's there because of them. That's right. Mm. They're there because of Oscar. And now Oscar's right. making fun of the person he's there to see. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Felix says, this is an alpha wave helmet. It assists with psychic meditation. Now, how does he know that? 
<laughs> There's no internet. He well, didn't... yeah, I was about to say he must have got on the internet once he realized he was psychic and researched it. So, uh, just by the make... way, alpha wave is apparently a yoga meditation term too. So again, everything's being kind of mixed up. And I'm assuming this helmet, like some version of this helmet, was in also written about at the time. I'm guessing. By the I... way, do you do you remember the movie Simon with uh, Alan Arkin? I remember it's a Marshall Brickman film. And of course I remember the game. So later, I... later. Oh, not related. I don't think. Okay. Uh, later in the seventies where Alan Arkin plays a similar kind of self appointed psychic genius and, and goes into an isolation tank. And it's like a lot of the same things being said. I won't, I won't go watch that. So the it's great. It's a cult film. The woman says, professor Faraday will be with you in a moment. Oscar says, you don't have to be psychic to know what I'm thinking when she's around. But I'm Felix says, that's right, kid all you want. I'm not worried. Oscar says, well, you should be. This guy's a very good doctor. He's going to show you for the phony that you are, which leads into our second clip. That's right, kid all you want. I'm not worried. Well, you shouldn't be. This guy's a very good doctor. He's going to show you up for the phony that you are. Good afternoon. I am Professor Faraday. A pleasure, Anga. I'm so glad your editor suggested you call me, Mr. Madison. I'll read your column faithfully. Yeah, I'm Madison. He's Anga. So what do you want from me? I'm not a mind reader. <laughs> Excuse the jest, but if I took my work too seriously, Nino Nadi Nulu, I would go bananas. In fact, the more research I do, the more skeptical I become. True cases of psychic ability are really quite rare. Exactly, exactly. And I'm one of the rare ones. Well, I tell you, why don't we start, huh? Yes. Here, uh, I tell you what, we'll set up the table. Um, Mr. Anger, would you please sit over here? Mr. Madison, would you sit over here, please? Want me to put on a gown? If you like. <laughs> there was some proper garb for testing it. Now, you will both notice that Miss Arnett has a set of large cards, as you can see. Each card bears a different symbol. There will be five symbols in all. Yes, a yes. circle, a square, a parallel lines, a triangle, and a footprint. Yes, yes, yes. Now, Mr. Madison. I want you to select a card from the deck. Mr. Anger, I want you to identify that card. Yes. Begin. Well, stop flirting and pick a card. You sensed he was flirting with Miss Arnett? What sensed? I mean, there's a pretty girl around. I flirt with her. I always do that. What kind of prediction is that? All right. I picked the card. What is it? Um, well, come on, uh, what is no, it? No, no, give me a chance. I have to get proper, uh, proper frame of mind. Sit there going to trance and makes you look like a frog. How did you how did you know he was making that froggy face? He always does that when he's in a froggy hole, he got rid of it. Come on, he always come on. does that. Well, tell me what it is, will you? Um, uh, I'm getting bored. Um parallel lines. Well, stop smirking and pick another card. I wasn't ready. Come on, come on, come on. Should I, Professor? If you like. <laughs> okay. All right, mentor the magnificent. What is it? Oh, come on. What are you trying to do? If you're not going to play the game, don't play at all. That isn't fair. 
What's the matter? The professor told me to pick a card. I picked the card. Don't try to buffalo me. You picked the same card you had before. <laughs> if you know what the card was, why don't you tell me? I don't know what the card was, but I know him. I know he tried to pick the same card. Well, what are you going to make the rules? He didn't say I couldn't make the same card. Each other so well. I can't tell if Felix is psychic or just responding out of habit. But listen, thanks for coming over anyway. This was a nice change of pace from the usual cuckoos. <laughs> Professor, look, this is very... Uh, listen, would you like a cold drink? <laughs> oh, will you cut it out? Look, at least he's excited. Like at least I'm in danger. And he's going to just drive me right up the wall. But Felix isn't sure what the danger is because his vision is cloudy under its subject. I know, but could you do something, you know? Well, maybe I can do something. Anyway, listen, I can give him something to keep wow. him busy so he'll stay out of your what way. What are you talking about over there? What's going on? You are sensitive. Listen, Anger, how would you like to be the first kid on your block <laughs> to have one of these? <laughs> that, uh, of course, the Dr. Faraday is played by Bernie Coppel, um, who um, at the time had just come off playing Get Smart, uh, Siegfried on Get Smart. Uh, you know, he was only in 14 episodes of that show, and I for some reason assumed he was in more because he's kind of a one of them i remember guys. my memories of get smart i have to admit are vague but i do remember him from that and this he's essentially playing the same character i went to watch some Siegfried mm-hmm. uh and get smart and it's almost the same accent uh, before get smart he'd done a lot of guest shots on tv but get smart was his big break then he was on that girl which i am not a viewer of for 31 episodes but most people know him for spending 10 years on The Love Boat wow. as Dr. Adam Bricker, appearing in all 250 episodes. And he's still an active actor. He's on the current CBS sitcom called Be Positive. He's like 90 years old. He is, I take your word for it. I didn't look. I mean, good, good for him. I'm not, I don't, I'm uh, sorry. I'm very yes, impressed. He's on a Well, look, current... hey, get him on the podcast. Okay, you do that. Um, I love Bernie Capel. Yeah. I just, I mean, he, in this episode especially, but tell me something. Okay, I, my memory of him is really this episode and vaguely get smart. I knew he was in the love boat. I never watched the love boat, but this accent, I always assumed this was, he was this guy, but he, no. I, he was born in Brooklyn. This is not his born accent, right? No, he doesn't talk with his accent. Love, boat, no, right? no, watch, <laughs> watch the love boat. And he talks. Yeah. So, but he's yeah. just, it, it just seems like he is, uh, you know, he's born to a German Jewish family in Brooklyn and he kind of like this accent is just part of his nature. He just does it, has such a great character with it. And uh, uh, I think of this accent as what he made him famous. Which it's his shtick, right. It's like on Get Smart, yeah, right. I think he did it for Get Smart. I mean, unless yeah. it was some part of some act or something, I assumed he, ha- he went for the role of um, Siegfried and, he had to do an yeah. accent. He did one. They loved it. And that's, yeah. and then they brought him on to Odd Couple, basically do the same thing. Uh, there's a joke in there about uh, um, a cold drink. Do you want a cold drink? And that's <laughs> when the professor's pretending that this big computer is a vending machine. Which is really stupid, but it makes me laugh anyway, because what he's I love funny. about this guy, the character, is that he's, he's completely... Uh, just a joke, like these he inappropriate and stupid jokes right he's mocking it all the time and he, he just wants to have a laugh with oscar and all the you know, at felix all the time so we're now at a new scene and oscar's on the phone with murray and says he's going to drive me nanu nunu bananas 
So it's interesting that the doctor said Nini Nini Nunu and Oscar saying Nanu Nunu. And of course, Gary Marshall created Morgan yeah. Mindy. Yeah. We got Nanu Nanu. So I'm wondering now if there's some, <laughs> if that's a coincidence or not. Did it take Gary Marshall to write that that phrase? Or does he, episode? yeah, is that, well, my thought was that. Or he took it from. Or that he, that's like, he's always had. Yeah. Nanu Nanu is something he wanted. He thinks is like significant, significant, or just the funny nonsense name. Something right, yeah. and then, and he said, "Now I have a place to use it." And Mark and Mindy, uh, Oscar also goes on to say to Murray, and now he's got an alpha wave hat. It's supposed to help him meditate. It has electrodes and an antenna and all that. He looks like a tidy Buck Rogers. So Felix comes out with his helmet on his head, saying, "Hmm," and then saying, "Woo." And Oscar says, I think he's about to give milk. Uh, now I'm even more embarrassed for Tony Randall wearing this <laughs> stupid hat. Because he's going, mm, mm, like mooing. Yeah. Oscar says, will you take that off? It's going to flatten your head. And Fidelis continues to hum while touching the helmet. And Oscar says, what did you swallow? A hummingbird? What did you do? Swallow a hummingbird? Felix starts humming faster. And Oscar says, what is it? You got a short circuit. It's hurting your ears. What is it? Felix then takes off the helmet and says, ooh. Felix says he had a vision. I saw what the danger is. The danger is a murder attempt. Oscar says, are you crazy? Who would attempt to murder me? Felix says, tomorrow night at the awards banquet, an attempt will be made in your life. Oscar says, so? There's nothing I can do about that. Felix says, the award is more important than your life. And Oscar says, Felix, I have to go. Felix says, listen to me. This is serious. Oscar puts on the helmet. He starts humming. He puts a cigar in his mouth and walks out. Felix says, listen to me, listen to me, you're not going to that board banquet. So now we're back at Professor Faraday's office, and he says, you've got to convince, Oscar's talking to the doctor, and he says to the professor, I mean, you've got to convince him he's imagining things. He wants me to stop, he wants to stop me from going to the banquet. Sometimes he really gets to me, I'm scared. The professor says, yeah, it can get scary. That's why it's so easy to fool yourself in this racket. Oscar says, but see, this thing is very important to me, and I don't want Felix to foul it up. So now Miss Arnett, the blonde lady, lets Felix into the room, and he says he was telling her that the man she loves will be hers by the end of the week. And the professor says, hey, that's right. My wife leaves town on Friday. And both he and Oscar crack up at this. <laughs> Felix says, very nice. Enjoy yourself at my, but he never actually says the word expense. He says, no one likes a laugh more than a mystic. Go ahead, test me. I know I'll be proven correct. And the professor says, then you won't mind if I put you under hypnosis. And that leads to this scene. Uh, then you won't mind if I place you under hypnosis for a brief period. Very interesting concept, professor, but of course, it's out of the question. Hey, that's a very good idea. Put him in a trance until the banquet is over. Well, are you afraid I'll make you undress and imitate a chicken? <laughs> <laughs> Of course not, but it's a well-known fact that persons of superior intellect cannot be hypnotized. You just can't put me under it. Well, let them try, Mr. Superior Intellect. Well, all right, well, don't you sit down. Please relax. I'm relaxed. Continue to breathe in a normal manner. I'm breathing. I'm normal. <laughs> Perfectly comfortable. It's a waste of time. It's useless. Well, what will it hurt you to humor me a little bit anyway? <laughs> no, I know this is a cliché, but... Watch the watch. A complete waste of time. I'm willing to watch it as long as you want me to, but it's just... 
Uh, I don't know. Since his intellect is too strong for hypnosis, he must be dead. <laughs> now what am I gonna do? <laughs> hey, get him to undress and imitate a chicken. <laughs> No, Mr. Benson. Get Miss Arnett in here. No, she does not respond to my hypnosis. Now, there's a woman with a strong intellect. Mr. Unger. Felix. Mm. Can you hear me? Yes. I want you to describe your vision of the Sports Writer Award banquet. Uh. What is the danger to your friend? I... I see a... Banquet room and uh, 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 platform. People milling about, excitement, cameras. Does that sound accurate? But they could describe any banquet. What is that? The sugar bowls aren't covered. There's a fly in the sugar bowl. <laughs> Shoe fly. Shoe fly. Do you forget about the fly. What about the danger? Danger. Flash bulbs are popping in. And the winner is Oscar Madison. He's my friend, and there are hands. Hands. And they're clutching uh, a man's throat. Who's oh. Who's Who's the, uh, Who's the strangler? Uh, Who owns those hands? I got him. You got the strangler? No, the fly. <laughs> Flies, he gets stranglers get fogged in. Take your breath, Mr. Madison. I'll wake him up in a moment, but first I want you to know I think Mr. Unger has had a genuine psychic experience. He really was under. I told you it's a waste of time. <laughs> that scene has some charm to it. Uh, Tony yeah. Rock's funny in it, so I, it's fine. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I lo- again... Uh, Bernie Capel, it's like he's doing. Uh, I laugh every time he laughs for some reason because it's just so inappropriate in a way for a, a doctor. Uh, he's like Doctor Nick in The Simpsons, almost quick, where he says like, "He must be dead. What am I gonna do?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, now we're in a new scene. Oscar comes out into the living room in his tuxedo, ready to go to the banquet, but Felix is in his robe. And Felix says, you're not going to that banquet. I told you I'm not going to let you tempt fate. Oscar says, get out of my way. I'm going. Felix says, this is for your own safety. Oscar says, when is the last time you had your face set on fire? And Felix says, don't threaten me. Oscar says, get out of my way. This is the most important night of my life. Felix says, I'm warning you. I've got a black belt in karate. And he raises his really? hand in a karate Is this the first pose. we've heard of this? I think so. Oscar then lifts Felix up by his waist in a kind of like a fireman's carry or a um, gorilla hug. And Felix is saying, don't try anything. I've got a black belt. While Oscar essentially just moves Felix out of the way and puts him on the couch. And he leaves. And Felix has now pulled off. Well, Oscar hasn't left yet. He puts him on the couch. Felix has pulled off Oscar's bow tie while Oscar was putting him on the couch. And Felix says, you can't go without your tie. I'll be ashamed. I'll be ashamed in front of the other sports writers. But Oscar says he will go without it and leaves. Then Felix takes off his robe and we see he has a suit underneath it. And he is all ready to go to the banquet and he leaves. So now we're at a new scene. There's a very phony looking prop sign. 
that says Sports Writer of the Year Awards. Although I think that should say Sports Writer of the Year Awards. Apparently, there is only one award. Yeah. yeah so it, the sign is just like that sign in the in the juvenile delinquent episode. Was <laughs> I think the Paramount. So you're saying up. the props department has like some intern just like scrolling so. things with yes. a pencil. Okay. Then we see a bunch of men in tuxedos shaking, standing around shaking hands, including Murray, who's just there. He knows everyone, it seems, which is weird. In civilian dress. And it seems, uh, so the folks is now, he's there. Folks is moving there, is there. And he's moving around, looking at people with very suspicious looks. He checks backstage. Uh, the professor is there as well. <laughs> And Felix, I guess, called him. We do get some dialogue that indicates that. And Felix says, the vision is so clear right this minute. The professor says, you should have seen the vision I just left to come here. <laughs> so he is cheating on his wife. <laughs> uh, either that or he's just making dirty jokes again. Yeah. Uh, he then says, but I actually believe you may possibly be a genuine mystic. So I want to see this thing through. Really? He thinks that? Felix says, on the taxi ride over here, the vision of hands clutching us throat was so clear as if I if it was actually happening. Professor says it was. Don't forget, this is New York. 70s crime wave joke again. And he starts laughing at his own joke. Felix says, please don't laugh. This is a terribly serious business. A man's life may be. And he doesn't finish the sentence. The second time Tony Randall doesn't finish the sentence. Oscar walks in now from the stage and Felix goes over to him, worried. But Murray says they're just taking his pictures. And Felix hands Oscar's bow tie. Uh, Felix hands Oscar the bow tie that he pulled off. And that just embarrasses Oscar. And, and can I just add, I'm sorry, I do need to add a yeah. fashion or sartorial commentary here, which is that not only is the situation embarrassing, but you didn't mention that this is a clip-on bow tie. Yes, it is a clip-on bow tie. <laughs> which is even more embarrassing to watch Felix hand it to him and watch Oscar in front of the crowd put on his clip-on bow tie. But it is, I give credit though to the costume department. It's like, that's a great Oscar touch. He wouldn't bother with the exactly. The MC says, is this a friend of yours? And Oscar says, not if he doesn't cool it. So this MC is named Mal Alberts. He's a real sportscaster. Wow. He was a radio uh, personality in Los Angeles doing sports for a station out there for a long time and also was a wrestling announcer as well. Interesting. Good casting then. I never would have recognized it, but authenticity. Uh, he welcomes everyone, says this is the 25th year of the award, and he starts to introduce Oscar uh, while a waiter moves closer to Oscar, but Felix screams, hands, hands, <laughs> and that waiter is played by Joseph LaCava. Now, he's not credited in the show, and he's not credited in a lot of his 178 appearances, but 86 of those 178 appearances on IMDb credit him as playing waiter. Wow. So Talk about typecasting. This guy's TV life appeared to be just playing a waiter. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, he doesn't say he has no lines, right? Right. So yeah. he's another one of these kind of walk-on extras, you know, what's with the cutoff, like five lines or less, you can pay them less, you know. Maybe that's how he... So weird that that's the role. And always needs, they always need waiters for these so. shows, apparently, I guess. So Mal Alberts continues, and Felix is talking while Felix is pointing angrily at the guy sitting next to Oscar. And he's, then Felix balls up his fists, and he's forcing that guy to like move away from Oscar because the guy like put his hands by his face. And Felix sees hands, and he starts getting agitated. 
So now Oscar starts to give his speech, but the microphone goes out, uh, but he continues to talk anyway. He says he doesn't need it. Felix is looking around the room, very agitated and nervous, and he gets a big, Oscar gets a big round of applause. And the professor says they love the guy, but Felix says, I'm having such hot flashes. The danger is close. And at this point, a man in a uniform approaches the stage heading towards Oscar. A kind of janitor or uh, (laughs) an uh, electrician uniform. Um, he's walking suspiciously, I will say. He's walking yes, as if he's yes. going to do something. By the way, this guy's played by Herbie Fay, who we mentioned already in the Greyhound episode. Oh, he seems familiar, yeah. Uh, Felix zeroes in on him, and the man goes under the table, uh, and Felix mm-hmm. goes under the table too, and there's a commotion, and Felix shouts, I got you, I got you. And we hear the man say, I got to fix this microphone. Felix screams, is there a policeman? And Murray then says out loud, is there a policeman in the house? Get the police. <laughs> All right. Now, how stupid is Murray? Murray <laughs> is played so stupid. This podcast has made me aware of how, how stupid Murray is played. I used to think of him as bumbling. And that's right. my recollection of the show. How they, they push it as far as they can they push really it. It makes him seem that his IQ is particularly low. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, Murray lifts back the Murray, Felix then says, I got you. I got you again. Uh, I said again, Felix says, I got you. I got you. Murray lifts back the fabric covering the table. And we see Felix strangling Oscar. And Murray says, Felix, you're right. Your vision came true. You're the strangler. <laughs> so we are to assume that in the confusion under the table in the dark, while the guy is trying to fix the microphone, Felix is lunging he thinks he's lunging for the mechanic, but he ends up strangling Oscar by mistake. But you're bearing the lead. Feel Oscar got under the table too, for some reason. I don't. <laughs> yes, I guess I took that for granted. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess he's there to help Felix, who's doing something, or to see what's going on. Yeah. But like, I don't know why he went under the table. So now with the tag, Oscar is wearing the helmet and sitting on the table in the same yoga position, humming in the living room. Felix says, aha, see? See how you are? You make fun of things, but then you come around and realize the value of science. Hmm. Oscar says he's trying to concentrate on something. He wants to make something happen. He's going to make it happen. And then the doorbell rings. Oscar goes to the door, and it's Miss Arnett. Of course. Of course. And big grin on Oscar's face. So is this uh, is this a big joke? He's, I mean, he, <laughs> I don't want to analyze it too much, but it's presumably he staged this all for Felix just to, to make fun uh, of him. Or is Oscar genuinely trying out the psychic waves and see if Miss Arnett will appear? I think there's a third option. I think he has oh. a legitimate date with Miss Arnett who's coming over and right. he decides later just to like play a little gag while waiting for Miss Arnett to, to show play up. the gag on Felix. Yes. Yes. That is that. I'm sorry. That's, oh, what, that's I meant, what you meant. Okay. I don't know how he knew exactly thing. the moment that she would bring the door. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so as you can tell, I'm not a fan of this episode. It's, it's, it's not, it's not quite bad enough for us to put into our mini episode reviews. There's enough to discuss and Bernie Coppell is fun to watch. It's just, I find it dumb in an embarrassing way. I, and, I, and Jack Klugman f- feels like he is not into this episode. It just feels like they know this is a clunker. It's the final episode. The season's ending. We're exhausted. Let's just get through it. This is the best we got to end. Um, everyone feels strained. They're going through the motions. 
Tony Randall, not as much. Um, and it just feels like they gave up to me at the end. That's what it feels like to me. That's so why I read it. Two out of five Murrays. You know what? I agree with much of what you say, but to me, it's all about Bernie Capel. Three and a half Murrays. Oh. It is just him alone. And in some ways, I think he, the episode is almost built around him. I think it is like that he is, his character is the center of the episode because they give him that extra scene. They have that second scene in the, in the doctor's office um, with the hip, hypnotism. So um, yeah, it's, it's a, a ridiculous premise uh, executed sometimes poorly, um, especially the whole unnecessary inconsistency in the, you know, the first 10 minutes. Uh, but <laughs> he is just so funny. He is just so funny. And, um, oh, and also a, a, a shout out to the writers for uh, naming him Dr. Faraday, who of course was the him. early 19th century British pioneer in chemistry or something famous. You said scientist. writers. It's right. Don't you mean writer? Well, uh, yes, the, or whoever contributed else to the Yes, the Faraday, I got that too. Um, but man, Bernie Capel is just so funny. I do now want to go back and watch Get Smart just for him. Cause... Yeah, because don't watch The Love Boat. You won't find what you like about Bernie Capel in that. Is the love, what about The Love Boat, Ted? Is that any, was that show any good at all? Oh, I watched it religiously on, week, on Saturday nights as a child um, and loved it for what it was. And now the only things I like are the opening credits, the theme and seeing who the guest stars are. I've tried to watch um, an episode, especially ones that uh, have people I like, like Jack Klugman or others. And it is hard to watch. <laughs> it's kind of boring. There's a laugh track. Which... And it's an hour show, isn't it? It's an hour show. Yeah. Yes. That's a lot of commitment to watch the love boat. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's like three different storylines. And there's the, the, the there's a laugh track to the show. It's and... one of, it must be one of the last filmed laugh track shows. Do you think? Uh could have been. It had an yeah. It's went a... into the eighties, yeah. Uh yeah, it went it was ten years, uh seventy seven, eighty seven, I think. Wow. Wow. Um so uh there was a the theme and watching who the guest star is is I I I could watch an hour of different versions of that mm. and I I think I have yeah um and then of course I don't know, if you don't remember towards the end of the run they brought in the mermaids who were these no I don't <laughs> they were these like dancing <laughs> models and then Ted McGinley came on as Ace the photographer and they started doing international episodes. And there was a few cast changes. They brought in uh, uh, Lauren Tews, had a famous cocaine problem. And like there was a bunch of stuff towards the end that kind of made it like tired it out. It actually is based on a book that most people don't know. And I have a first edition of the book signed Whoa. by the author. It's a woman who wrote about her experiences as a cruise director on the, oh, on the ship. I see. Um, but, you know, it's classic TV. And it was remade. Uh, when I was working at UPN Station with Robert Yurick as the captain. When was this? This was uh, on UPN in the mid-90s. What wow. the next wave, they called it. Get it? No. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, anyway, 
Anyway, sorry, sorry, yeah. uh, couple of fans. Uh, well, I think it's fine but, if we take it. I'm sure yes. our odd couple fans are. Well, the, it's part of the greater odd couple universe. Yes, I guess. yes, and it's part of the. Era. Mentioned Klugman was on it, you know. Yeah, I think I have a. I think he was, and I think I think he and I feel like he and Brett Summers were an episode together. I'm sure Tony. I'm guessing Tony Randall was on. No, it. Anyway. they weren't because they split by then. Or maybe they were. Oh, they could have still been on it together yeah. anyway. But maybe you're right. Maybe I'm making that up. Anyway, uh, well, that that was season two. That was season two. So we really did every episode, Ted. That's amazing. We have covered it every episode in some degree or another. So for those of you listening in order, we will not be doing a new episode next week. It is Christmas, but Karen and I are going to do an episode after that, somewhere around New Year's weekend where we are going to go look at season one. And the way we're going to do this is because I will not, we cannot review that whole season. I, as, as we've said before, I think I'm stronger in this than you are. I find it unwatchable. I just cannot watch that laugh track, that set. I find it uh, very hard to sit through, but we will each pick an episode that we think is the best. And we will each pick an episode that we think is the worst. If it happens to be the same episode, I guess that's the way it'll be. We're not going to tell each other until we get on the air, which you and I haven't discussed till right now, but I think that's what we should do. <laughs> well, uh, we're doing our show it. prep in front of everyone Yes, behind the scenes. I think that's what we should do. Uh, I'm going to try to watch them all. I probably will not sit through everyone, but we'll kind of like scan through it. I, we have them on DVD or CBS All Access. And uh, so that will be our next episode is our attempt or our, our, not our attempt, our way to cover season one in trying to be thorough because we don't want to ignore the fact there's an entire season of the show that we have not. Perhaps uh, maybe at a later date, we could revisit some more season one episodes. So just in case not to, I, we'll, I guess <laughs> since we, we're, since we're committing each other to these things on the air. Yes, um, uh, I guess we can't rule it out, yeah. but. I mean, just for any fans that want more season one content, uh, I don't want to disappoint them forever by saying we would only talk about like two or three episodes. I, I will commit to it, but I will I'll keep okay. an open mind. You yeah. convinced me to do this, uh, and you were right to convince me to do it for next. It'll give we have two weeks to do it between now and then our next episode, and I think that's a good way to do it. And then we can go cleanly into season three. Ted, if you watch season one, do so with an open mind. Uh, I. I have no choice but to do that. I'm quoting oh. something recently. From the odd couple? Yes. Cheese what? it, Ted. Oh, right. Yes, that's right. I completely forgot about that. Um, well, okay, that's it. So uh, we'll wish everyone a happy holiday. Uh, Oscar, hands, hands. <laughs> You're going cuckoo bananas. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>